Hello, friends, and welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. One of our goals here at CCGF is to help you take your next step toward Jesus and the person God designed you to be. We hope our sermons help you to take that next step. If you would like more information about the community here at Christ Church at Grove Farm, or if you would like to contact us, you can do all of that and more on our website, which is ccgf.org. And to get an even further taste of who we are, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Now, here is this week's message, grace and peace to you. Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence here. Waymaker, miracle worker, light in the darkness. That is who you are. So as we are here together with you, Lord, move right in on us. Give us that sense that here as we come around your word, your teaching, that you would take my lips and speak through them, that you would take our minds and think through them, that you would take our wills and bend them to your own, and that you would take our hearts, Lord Jesus, and set them on fire with love for yourself. We pray this for your name's sake. Amen. Well, whether you're watching online or obviously sitting here, we continue with our series, the opening verses of John's Gospel, which has been labeled the prologue to the Gospel, kind of sets the stage for what the whole of the teaching of that biography of Jesus is, written by John, one of his followers. And this morning we're going to take a look at the whole concept of truth. What you have in the opening verses is the declaration that there was in the beginning the word, meaning the rationale or the mind, not just a word, like a spoken word, but the word logos, the word, comes from that word comes the word logic. So you're really talking about the rationale or the reason behind all creation, that being the creator. In the beginning was the word, that rationale. The word was with God, somehow identified apart from the Father, and was God. So God as well as the Father which has given rise to the teaching of the church of a triune personality within the Godhead. A multi-personal, but one God, Godhead. In the beginning was the Word, the rationale. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him, it says, and without him was nothing made that has been made, the creator of everything. Well, astoundingly, you get down to verse 14, and it teaches that the word became flesh. What we call theologically the incarnation. God himself taking on human flesh, becoming one of us. And that was Jesus. He, God, in the beginning with God, creator of everything as part of God, came to earth, 
That's what we celebrate at Christmas. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man, with man to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel, one of the great old carols of our tradition. Pleased as a man, with man, with humanity, to dwell. God in Christ, in taking on human form and living amongst us. The word dwelled literally means like he pitched his tent and camped out with us. Became a part of what we're up to so that in seeing him, we were able to get a real, direct, intimate clue as to who God is and what he's like. And what it describes in that verse 14 is that God... In the flesh, the word becoming flesh, dwelt among us, we beheld his glory. We'll take a look at that phrase next week. We beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace, which we looked at, and full of truth. Full of grace and truth. One of the great revelations of God, to have those two together, most people who are heavily into grace, God being gracious, tend to make grace cheap when they leave truth out of it. And if we're grace-oriented, that's what some tend to do. On the other hand, you've got truth-tellers, people who are really into the truth, And they tend to be pretty ungracious about it. But Jesus represents perfectly the fullness of grace and the fullness of truth. Now again, to reiterate what we talked about with that word fullness, the Greek word in the original language, pleroma, that that represents and uh, A man by the name of Barclay, great theologian and Greek teacher. That would not be me. But Barclay has said that that phrase, the fullness, represents the sum total of all that God is. In Jesus, thereby. The pleroma, the fullness of all that God is, became flesh. And we beheld his glory full of grace and full of truth. Last week we spoke of grace, all that grace is. Saving grace and the kind of grace that keeps you going, sustaining grace. We're going to speak about truth. And that's a a profound subject to deal with and in 25 minutes, impossible. In fact, you have a clue to even in Jesus' day, how folks regarded the whole concept of truth. In John chapter 18, so the same gospel but much later, you've actually come to the trial of Jesus who is in front of a Roman governor, Rome the occupying force in Israel in that day. His name was Pontius Pilate. We've actually included his name in that Nicene Creed because it places the death of Jesus in history. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. 
That guy, Pilate, has Jesus in front of him. And in John 18, there is this conversation because the accusation those who wanted to get rid of Jesus laid on him was that he was a kind of insurrectionist. He said he was a king. Well, as far as the Romans were concerned, there was only one king, that is, one Caesar. And there was a kind of worship of Caesar, like God even. And not to spend too much time even talking about that, but to accuse Jesus of calling himself a Caesar, like an insurrectionist rising up against the authority of the Roman government, could get you executed and in short order. So that's what they accused Jesus of. So Pilate says, are you king of the Jews? Jesus said to him, is that your own idea or have others told you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus said this, I want you to hear it. You are right in saying, I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. So here we are toward the back end of Jesus' life, on trial for his life, and he describes his coming into this world to speak as a testimony to the truth. And everyone on the side of truth, he went on to say, listens to me. To which Pilate then said, what is truth? I mean, that skeptical, philosophical question. We don't have even time to begin to talk about the whole philosophy of the concept of truth. But you and I know that today, when it comes to moral behavior, life to die together socially, we as a people now worship relativity. (coughs) That is, there is no absolute truth, and you've got your truth, I've got my truth, and truth is relative. And that becomes a kind of agnosticism thereby, for when you say that, you don't really believe in any kind of substantial truth. Like the Bible says in one place, people did what was right in their own eyes. So we become the measure of what is truth, which absolutely destroys truth, except for what we may call it personally. And then you get into extreme agnosticism. So most folks would probably call themselves agnostic who are not convinced believers. Agnostic meaning they don't know what to believe, that they don't really believe anything. Some go as far as to say you can't really know in order to believe. I was in such a conversation with that with a group of students on one occasion. And one student 
was asking this question, whatever anybody said in this discussion, he would say, where are you coming from when you say that? So I was young enough to be sort of cool enough to be like one of them. So without declaring my hand, I said, hey man, where are you coming from when you asked that question? He said, I don't know. I said, how do you know you don't know? He said, I don't know, I don't know. I said, how do you know that you don't know that you don't know? He said, I don't know that I don't know that I don't know. Seriously, that question and answer could still be going on. Stark unbelief described as agnosticism. Don't know what to believe. We don't even have time to begin to unravel that. But as you take seriously what is said here concerning Jesus, it begins to come, become for us an answer to what the truth really is. Jesus, full of truth. Now just to reiterate what we said last week, the teaching concerning Jesus and here I turn to Colossians as well, a letter to a place in Colossae, speaking to a people there who were all over the place, except they'd become believers, and so they get this teaching from Paul. He says this, For God was pleased to have all his fullness, there's that word, dwell in him, in Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, making peace through his blood shed on the cross. What you have there is the description that in Jesus was the fullness of God, all that God is. And that Jesus was crucified, executed on the cross, and by his death, his blood shed in death, make it possible for us to enter into close, intimate, personal relationship to the Lord, the Lord Jesus, and to the Father in heaven, and thereby to have a home in heaven with our Father in the family of heaven one day. Later, he says this, In Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ. Again, the teaching, very straightforwardly, that when you receive Jesus, that is no trite, small, little Mickey Mouse thing. Jesus, the supreme presence of all that God is, so loved us that he died on the cross to pay for our sins. And when we invite him to come into our lives, it's called believing, as many as received him who believed on his name. Part of the prologue we've already looked at, preached on right here by Doug, one of our pastors. When you receive him, that's what it means to believe in him, he comes into your life. And God, by his Spirit, dwells in you and makes you a new creation. That is huge. That is monumental. 
It's not some little, trite, mini-Jesus. It's this Jesus who is the fullness of all God is, who takes possession of us and makes us a new creation. Born again spiritually, new and alive. That's what we have just read. That's what happens. He, by his Spirit, indwells us. Now, that Jesus thereby himself is the embodiment of truth. Listen to how it's described when he gets into a conversation, again at the Last Supper, right toward the end of his life, with his disciples. He's begun to tell them that he is going to leave them and die on the cross and come back to life again. It's the time when he celebrates the first, what we now call Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, which we will celebrate here this morning. That's when he began that, instituted it, and he's teaching them about it. And so Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. Thomas, one of the followers of Jesus. So how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So again, he's affirmed that he embodies the truth. The truth is not just a concept or an idea or telling the truth or something that's truthful. He often would say himself in teaching, truly, truly I say to you. Very truly I say to you. But he is truth. Whatever he says is truthful because he is the truth. Himself personified. Well, the response to that question, that, that, that statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he goes on to say, if you really knew me, you would know my father as well. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip, another of the followers of Jesus, said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been with you such a long time? Listen to these words. This is Jesus speaking. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me, when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else just believe me for the miracle's sake. To hear Jesus speaking is to hear God speaking and to know what the truth is. To know Jesus is to know the truth. To hear what Jesus has to say is to hear the truth. 
to believe in and follow what Jesus says is to be into the truth. Listen to what this says, John chapter 8. That was the passage that was read for us by Pastor Doug concerning the truth. Listen to this. If you hold to my teaching, says Jesus, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And then again he said, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. But if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. When Jesus speaks, he's telling the truth. He is the truth. And the great thing about coming to him and believing in him is that God lights up our lives with the truth. My wife, very much unlike myself in our youth, she was a churchgoer. Her mum and dad went to church and took her and her brothers every Sunday. She knew all the Bible stories. She loved the Bible Christian songs. She went to a Lutheran church. She loved it on Reformation Sunday when they showed a movie about Martin Luther and the Reformation. She was inspired. This is as a child growing up. And then somebody asked her when she was about 16 whether she was a Christian. And the someone who asked her was a friend of the family and she thought, how can you ask me that? What do you think I am? You know my mom and dad. You know we go to church. He wanted to know whether she really knew Jesus, but she was offended at that question. But within the year, she had come to put her faith in Jesus, to invite Jesus into her life. She got that message that you need Christ in your life, not just to go to church, not just to sing hymns, not just to have in your head all the right stories, but have Jesus in your life. And she said, when that happened, all the stories, <clears throat> all the hymns, all the songs came alive. It was as if the lights got turned on. And she saw what it all was and who Jesus was. And that's the world of difference between having a series of beliefs that are rational statements of faith and having the Lord himself in your life. So when Jesus says here, if you follow my teaching, if you are gripped by my teaching, gotten a hold of by my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There is a kind of knowing of the truth which is personal and life-giving and invigorating and taking all the songs that we've sung, the hymns, the things we say, and transforms them. When she used to hear her friends at school talking about Jesus, she was a little indignant in the days when she didn't really believe herself. But once she asked Jesus into her life, she heard a couple of students talking about Jesus. She said, it's like my heart leapt within me. It's from an idea in the head 
to a living relationship in your life. And Jesus says, when you get into that relationship to me, you get to know the truth. It's in Christ. And he sets you free. And when it talks about freedom here, that's not free to go out and sin like promiscuity, promise with promiscuity. Uh, what's the word we use? Li licentious. Just to do whatever, free to do whatever you want. Sexually, morally, with your life, with your assets, with your career, with your relationships. It's free to become all that he wants you to be. Free to become all that he created you to be. Free, free indeed. To become fully human, fully alive. Like he said, I've come that you might have life and have it in all its fullness. That's related to the truth, not to a lie. It's related to Jesus and not just some dogma or moral teaching. It is in Jesus that we become alive and things become alive to us that are related to him and to be set free. It's like a kite, a kite held against the wind with the, however long a string you have. Sails. It's like that string is the truth connecting us to Jesus and we sail, we fly. You cut that truth, you cut that string and that kite comes crashing down. Truth as we are anchored in the Lord Jesus and his truth in us is what sets us free to really sail and enjoy that life with him. We beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth. You want to be his disciple? Begin that process. His words will become electrifying to you, energizing. His truth will light up your life. Because as he came to bear witness to the truth, so also he is the truth. And him, Jesus, in you, is the power to live the life that you dream of for yourself. Well, let's bow our heads and pray together and talk to this Lord Jesus. Oh Lord, there is that longing in us to be all that you created us to be. We know that there is so much more than just turning up, eating a meal, watching a movie, doodling around on our iPad. Thank you for your presence here right now, Lord Jesus, the living truth. Show us the truth about who we are. Reveal to us the truth of our need for you. And even as you come knocking at the door of our lives, help us, Lord, to surrender to you, hand over to you, ourselves, our very selves, the history of our lives, the future that's before us. All to you, Lord Jesus, we, we hand it over that you, by your truth, might light up our lives lead us into living the life for which you created us, for which you redeemed us, 
for which you come to us this very day. Thank you, Lord Jesus.